You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This, 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 this is Views from Midstream. Now, here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another rousing edition of the Views from Mint Street podcast. Your home for all the Carolina Panther football talk you can possibly want. And then a little bit more. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show in Greenville, South Carolina. Available on 97.7 FM in Greenville, 97.1 FM in Spartanburg, and around the world for free on the Odyssey app every weekday from 9 until noon. And of course, joining me as always on the other side of the glass, metaphorically, he is my co-host, my partner in crime. They call him the great one. Lonzo Reitzel is here as well. And we had... A good time partying it up with back-to-back wins, but yet another AFC team runs roughshod over the Panthers. A division sweep as the Pittsburgh Steelers knock off the Panthers 24-16. to We were ready to protect the bank, but the Steelers took out an E, put in an A, and took everything they wanted. However... If no, we are wait, looking, wait, wait, wait. You said we were ready to defend the bank. You know who was it? The, the, the Carolina defense. The defense. Yes. Yeah. The, the, ironically enough, the only folks that did not defend the bank uh, was the folks expected to literally defend in the bank. Uh, the defense falls apart. The offense incredibly limited. We are going to talk all about it and break that game down. But before we do, just your overall takeaway from that matchup. Great one. I um, hate to say I told you so. I really do hate to say I told you so because I want to be wrong in this case. But this was this was a breakdown in a lot of ways. As I mentioned on our last pod, what would happen if Carolina tries to run the ball and and the run is stopped? Will they continue with it? And I hoped that they would, but I didn't believe that they would. And I was right because they didn't. They ran into a wall and then they panicked. They had no idea what to do and decided we we can't run the ball. Let's let Sam win it for us, which is not what he's there for. He's to be a game manager. The guy who could win a game like that is now playing in L.A. It just comes down to uh, also in the last pod, we're talking about Steve Wilkes and, and Rob and others. It's not just Rob saying this is our guy, and I said he needs to uh, he needs to win two more. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't win another one. So right now, Matt Rule has still got a better record, and he hasn't shown me that he's a better coach than than Matt Rule. I I hate that because I want him to be. He seems like a likable guy. I love his press conferences for the most part. He looks like someone who if 
I was playing for him, would want to win for him, but the Panthers are not winning. They're not. And uh, to me, this was a, um, a tryout, if you will, for the next coach of the Carolina Panthers, and he was, you know, across cross field from him, and that would be Mike Tomlin, if all rumors are, you know, could be sub- substantiated. That could be the next, you know, because you know what that guy did. That guy took Mitch Trubisky and, uh, and, and beat the Panthers. So, <clears throat> I'm sorry, of- I'm sorry, Mitchell. I'm sorry. I'm Mitchell sorry. Trubisky. I, I, I want you to get mad at me, Mitchell. Get it right or pay the yeah. price. A yeah. uh, couple of things from that game. Number one, Steve Wilkes flat out got outcoached. There is no other way to put it. At the end of the day, Steve Wilkes got outcoached. The Pittsburgh Steelers came into that game. They knew exactly the game plan that they wanted to run in order to stifle the run game of the Panthers. That worked. We'll prove it with some numbers in a moment. They knew defensively exactly where they needed to attack on the football field to get the best production against the Panther defense. That worked. We'll talk about it in a minute. And they knew that the 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 key for the Panthers has been to own the time of possession, and they wanted to flip the script on that, and they did that as well. We'll bring that up in a minute as well. This came down to, and, and this is part of, what I was concerned about a few weeks ago when it kind of started to to show through a little bit that the Carolina Panthers at the time were not only in control of their own destiny as a potential playoff team, but by the way, thanks to the Cincinnati Bengals coming from behind and knocking off the Buccaneers, the Carolina Panthers still do control their own destiny. They win out. They're in the playoffs with Detroit, Tampa, and New Orleans remaining, which is feasible. We'll talk about that coming up in a minute as well. But the concern that I had was that this Panthers team, a Panthers team that came into this game five and seven, that fans would look and they would conflate being a playoff team with being a good team. I was concerned because, and again, I know that we are pro Panthers, Panthers fans, like we all want this team to be good as well. But I've tried to tell you guys a number of times. In fact, I've taken some flack from it, both on our radio station and in responses to the pod. I have taken some flack for repeatedly saying, let's not confuse being a playoff team with being a good team. We are still not a good football team. In fact, quite the opposite. We are still a bad football team. But let's not conflate being playoff bound, if we are, with being good. Because even if we are, one more L For either Tampa, Carolina, New Orleans, or Atlanta, if all four of those teams take one more L, the NFC South Divisional Champion will be a divisional champion with a losing record. The Buccaneers have now lost eight. The Steel, or excuse me, the Panthers have lost eight. The Falcons have lost eight. And the Saints have lost eight. When all four of those teams hit nine losses, if they were going to, the NFC South Divisional Champion would be a sub-500 ball club. That is going to happen once in a blue moon. Okay, uh, what's the old uh, the old phrase? If I had two, if I had a nickel for every time that happened, I would have two nickels. Not saying it's happened a lot. It's just crazy, right? That's kind of where this is now. So, looking at where we stand right now, I think that people watched this team come out on Sundays and thought to themselves. 
we're a good team. We should win this game because we're a good team. We're not, right? And part of that to me, to circle back around to where this started, is the understanding that Steve Wilkes is a head coach is also a guy that while he does have a year of head coaching experience under his belt in Arizona, very clearly and obviously had little to no control over that team when he was the head coach, is still learning to be a head coach. Now, I think that to some degree, he has gotten less than number one down, which is beyond everything else, at its foundation, every good team has a solid culture built underneath it. And I think the culture of the Carolina Panthers looks better now than it ever did when Matt Rule was trying to see who is OOU and who is not OOU. That's a great start. The problem is a culture doesn't run for 1.7 yards per carry. A culture doesn't play defense. All of those things still have to happen. And a culture is not a scheme. Mike Tomlin, who has been a head coach for half of my lifetime, Mike Tomlin is a guy who genuinely understands how to implement and organize and execute schemes because he schemed us to death in this football game. Steve Wilkes is a guy that is still learning how to do that and learning how to do that, especially offensively with a group of coaches that are not his guys, right? Ben McAdoo was a Matt Rule decision, not a Steve Wilkes decision. And I could be wrong, but I'd be willing to bet that if you offered Steve Wilkes the opportunity to put anybody else in control of the offense and it was one of his guys, he'd be more than happy to make that switch because the play calling was abysmal in this game too. And offensively, that's not Steve Wilkes. That's Ben McAdoo. Wilkes is a defensive guy. We all know that. This one came down, in my opinion, to a young, green, hodgepodge, mismatched coaching staff just got thoroughly outcoached by a coaching staff that is veteran, that has been together for a very long time, that has been in the role for a for a significant amount of time, certainly uh, hundreds and hundreds of percentage points longer than the Panthers have had their coaching staff together at its core. This was a bad team with a hodgepodge coaching staff that has seen a lot of turnovers and changes over the past year. And you just got out schemed when it comes down to it. Now, does that mean Wilkes is or ain't the guy? There's a lot of discussions that are going to go on, including obviously on this pod, probably and primarily on Wednesday's edition. Is Ben McAdoo the guy that we should put most of the blame on? I'm going to say yeah, but again, that's a discussion that's going to be had. At its core, though, this came down. This game came down to Steve Wilkes' coaching staff just got completely overwhelmed by Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. Yeah, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to make excuses for them. I mean, it's not an excuse. That's a reason. Yeah, uh, well, sounds like an excuse to me. These these guys. Every time this season, when things are lined up perfectly for the Panthers, the Panthers fall short, and a lot of it has to do with coaching. From the bottom to the top, um, this all comes down down to Steve Wilkes. And yeah, the players got to play, but the coaches got to coach. The coaches got to do something that they don't do well. That's adjust. The better coaches in the NFL or at any level learn how to adjust when their game plan is suddenly just dead stopped, like the running game. You don't panic and go, oh. I guess we can't do that. What else we got in the bag? Oh, I know. Let's have Sam throw the ball 30 times or however many times it was. Let's try that. 
wow, that didn't work. Maybe the defense should play better. Well, they didn't. I just, it just, it's it's all a bunch of excuses. But the silver lining to the whole thing is that the entire NFC South sucks. So, I mean, there's that. So, really, with everything that happened as bad as the Panthers looked yesterday, they didn't lose any ground. Uh, the good news is they didn't lose any ground. That is absolutely correct. Uh, we still control our own destiny, courtesy of the Cincinnati Bengals. We went out, we're in the playoffs. And again, like I said, my fear is that we conflate that with being good. Uh, yes, it turns out, and this should not shock anyone, Mike Tomlin's coaching staff is better than Steve Wilkes right now. We all know that. If, this should not be shocking to anyone at all that a coaching staff that's been in place and together around a head coach for the better part of a decade and a half is better than a coaching staff that is half Steve Wilkes, half Matt Rules, all disorganized and trying to figure it out. Uh, and by the way, as mentioned, most of the guys on the coaching staff, you'd think they're all doing a good job because they know that most of them are unemployed at the end of the year, regardless of whether or not it's Wilkes or Tomlin and who or whoever else that is the head coach next year. You'd think they put down tape, but let's be real. A lot of guys understand that when their time of employment is coming to an end, they're just going to coast. It's a hefty case of senioritis. They're just going to coast the rest of the way because they're likely going to have a job somewhere else, whether it's moving down to the coaching ranks or somebody sniping them and picking them up for a staff. So getting out schemed is not an excuse for an L. It is a reason. There are like three or four things that are direct reasons. Did the players play well? Did the coaches coach well? Are the top two? So when one of those things go poorly, that's a reason you take an L, not an excuse. We got out coached and because we got out coached, our guys got ran off the football field. That's what it comes down to. All of that in the bag. Let's talk a little bit about what happened. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Views from Mint Street podcast is in your ear holes. Rob Brown and the great one Lonzo Reitzel with you. If you have not done it yet, do us a favor. Do us a Christmas gift, would you? Share it around amongst your friends on the social media. Pop it up onto your Twitter channels. Pop it up onto your Facebook. If you've got a single Carolina Panther fan, do us a favor and share our pod with them so that we can continue to grow the show. Let's get into a couple of the numbers and the stats that came out of this game. Let's look overall at the team stats. And I am going to point at the one, Lonzo, that stood out to me the most. And that was third down efficiency on both sides of the football. The Pittsburgh Steelers faced a third down in that game 16 times. They converted 12 of them. Three out of every four times that the Steelers faced a third down, they continued the drive. On the flip side, the Carolina Panthers faced third down 11 times in that game. We converted four of them. So less than half the times we faced third down did we convert. And to kind of extrapolate that a little bit further, the Panthers have converted 
less than half of their third down attempts in 22 consecutive games. That is the longest active streak in the NFL, and it is the second longest streak in franchise history. To find that, you have to go back to 2001 and 02, where they failed to convert half or more of their third down drives 26 times in a row. So if we finish out this season, we would be one shy of the franchise record. If we do it to open up next year, it would tie the franchise record. Not being able to get off the field when your defense is out there facing a third down, not being able to stay on the field when your offense is facing third down has once again risen up like the Hydra to bite us square in the rear end. There's other numbers that stand out to me, Zoe, but if you can't get off the field on third down defensively or stay on the field on third down offensively, you're going to lose more than you win. I think it also, I mean, I think you got to look at it. Are the Panthers capable of being better? Yes, they are. We saw it last week. You saw how they were able to play when they when they are able to execute their game plan. When they're not, then they struggle. And you got to throw some of it towards how many quarterbacks have the NFL, have the Panthers had in the last couple of years? A lot. There have been quite not like Cleveland Brown levels, but still quite a few quarterbacks. Um, you got Cam Newton. You got Heineke. You got I mean, there, there's a couple guys I don't even remember their names. Uh, but they were there and they played a, a game or two. It's it's hard to be efficient when you're not consistent with your personnel, and it starts with the quarterback. If you if you got to keep getting a different quarterback every two to three games, you're going to struggle with getting uh, chemistry with everybody out there. I think that definitely hurts. One way to fix that in the future is find a guy and stick with that guy. Uh, at least for now, as far as we know, they're sticking with Sam, but uh, press conferences haven't happened yet this week. Who knows? Maybe they go back to PJ. I don't know. All I know is they need to find a quarterback, a consistent quarterback, have the confidence enough to stick with them, and then third down efficiency will go up. We're going to talk more about that as we roll on, but let's take a look at some more of the stats out of this game Overall first downs, the Steelers had 22 of them. The Panthers had 12. Check this out. Rushing first downs in this game? Zero. Not a rush for a first down in this game. Ten of them came through the air. Two of them came thanks to a Pittsburgh Steeler penalty. We mentioned 4 of 11 on third down. So not even a third and one and nope. no, or nothing like nothing. that. Zero first downs running the football. Through the air. 188 yards for the Panthers, 169 for the Steelers. 14 of 23 went the Cats, 17 of 22 went the Steelers. The Panthers averaged seven yards per completion in this one. And for the record, before we go too down, uh, too far down the path, let's point out that Sam Darnold had a pretty good day for a game-managing quarterback. 14 of 23, 225, a touch and an interception. And that touchdown pass that he threw to DJ 
uh, in the early portions of this game that was kind of a hummer right out over the pylon where only DJ could get it was one of the better throws of Sam Darnold's career. It was a throw that I actively tweeted about because it shocked me so much. I was like, damn, that was a good throw from Sam Darnold. Yeah, I was like, why did he throw? Oh, yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I, I said the same thing. That was a no, 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 yes throw out of Sam Darnold, it's like when Steph puts up a three from the corner, you're like, why would you shoot? Oh, because he can make it. That's right. Uh, It showed you that he can make those throws. But as we mentioned, it's also a situation where you don't want him to have to, right? Like I would prefer a game where I don't have to rely on Sam Darnold to make that throw. The run game was absolutely dead in this one. 21 rushing attempts by the Panthers. Keep in mind that that does include the times that Sam Darnold had to tuck and run. Reality, it was closer to like 15 rushing attempts in this one. 16 credited rushing attempts. Yards per rush in the game, one for three. One, Excuse me, 1.3. 1.3 yards per rush. Chuba Hubbard had four carries for 10 yards. Deontay Foreman had 10 carries for nine yards. Darnold had two positive runs for a total of two yards. That is a grand total of 21 rushing yards, an average of 1.3 rushing yards, and the longest rush of the game for the Panthers was a five-yard Deontay Foreman carry, which made up more than half of the yards on his 10 carries total. Uh, Listen, let's break that down for a minute. The Steelers knew what they wanted to do, which is take the one away from the Panthers and make Sam Darnold beat them with his arm. They stacked the box. There were frequently spots where they were putting eight in the box. I think on a couple of plays, literally put nine in the box, lined up with a couple of guys one-on-one on the outside and said, here's the deal. One of these guys is going to drop back to play a high safety. We're going to bring eight at you and we expect you to try to do something. And not only did the Panthers not respond to that, though, but the part of the offense that we were the most confident in, which is the offensive line's pass blocking ability, right? When the schemes start getting complicated, the Panthers' OL fell apart. When it wasn't a clear 4-3 or 3-4, when it wasn't clear that you could walk up to the line and go, you got that guy, you got that guy, you got that guy, I got this guy, let's block him out. When it was more, hey, there's eight guys in our face, who got who? We did not know how to respond to that, and the offensive line got blew up. The worst part about that fact, though, is that we lost this football game. The also worst part of this is the fact that Detroit, Tampa, and New Orleans have all got the blueprint now. Don't put an organized 4-3, an organized 3-4. Throw some wacky lineups, put everybody on the line of scrimmage, let the linebackers drop off and the linemen go, or blitzes, or whatever you're going to do. If that defense, or excuse me, that offensive line can't figure it out when you're getting exotic lists, to figure out what your role is, what your assignment is to block them, we might not win another football game, and I'm not joking. Yeah, you're right. The uh, The next three games, those guys all have the blueprint. But the, the, the question is, and this still goes back to coaching, if, if Wilkes is the guy and he has some guys there that he's going to keep if he becomes the head coach, can he adjust before the next game? Can he get those guys ready saying, hey, if they come out and they do this, here's what we're going to do. We can't have a game like that again. We can't let them stop us the way they did. 
Is it possible? Absolutely it's possible for them to look at film and figure a way around the problem. They couldn't do it in-game. It doesn't mean they can't do it after. I would prefer they would have done it in-game. It's called you know in-game adjustments. The really good coaches do that. Detroit is the biggest problem. Uh, Tampa Bay's defense, not that good. New Orleans' defense, not that good. If you figure out a way to beat Detroit, good shot. Tampa Bay loses. You're in first place. It still can happen. But you've got to figure out. This is you got to sit down. You got to you got to come up with a plan. That defense is not going to play that bad again. I just I just don't think so. Here's the problem. If the defense played better, this would be a different game. And I know the offense got shut down running game wise, but they put up enough points to win the game if the defense played better. I will start with this about the defense. I, I everybody has talked about, and correctly so, but everybody has talked about the fact that Mike Tomlin schemed the offense or schemed the defense to hustle up the offense to to force Sam Darnold to be a passing quarterback. Everybody talks about what Tomlin did defensively to stifle the offense of the Panthers. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Tomlin did the same thing for the Steelers offense against the Panthers defense, right? He looked out there and he knew that across from uh, across from JC Horn were a couple of guys because of injuries and whatnot, a couple of guys that are not top tier talent, right? I mean, we've talked about how JC Horn has been over the past eight, nine weeks, the best statistical quarterback a uh, cornerback in the NFL. Right. Statistically speaking, he has surrendered a lower passer rating success rate to quarterbacks than any other cornerback in the entire National Football League. What is the best way to stop a cornerback from defending your passes? Throw it somewhere else. Right. So what do the Steelers do in this game? Listen, we have talked all about what we expect out of Carolina's offense, which is what? 40, 42, 45 runs in this game. You know how many times the Pittsburgh Steelers ran the ball in this game? 45 times. They threw it 22. They ran it 45, which is almost the exact numbers that I have said in the past that I want to see out of the Panthers offense. 40 to 45 runs, 17 to 22 passes, top end per game. And by the way, the majority of those passes ought to be on play actions, on rollouts after the fake, on boots, et cetera, et cetera. All plays designed to simulate the run before catching you off guard with the pass. The Steelers did exactly what we should be doing. They ran the ball 45 times. They let Najee Harris eat. They brought in Jalen Warren to give him a spell like we should be doing with Deontay and Chuba Hubbard. The Steelers, I hate this expression because more often than not, people apply it in situations where it's not accurate. But the Steelers, quite literally, Lonzo, beat us at our own game. They did exactly what we want to do. They ran the hell out of the ball at us. They only... Asked Miss Mitchell Trubisky to throw in limited and choreographed spots, and they flipped the time of possession on our head. The games we have won, we have controlled the ball for 35 plus minutes and limited them to 24 minus. In this game, Pittsburgh held the ball 36 minutes and 11 seconds. We held it 23 minutes and 49 seconds. So, and, and you know, the sad part about that is that's exactly what the Panthers did 
to Seattle. It's exactly what they did. It's almost a mirror uh, all the way around of what the Panthers did to Seattle. And uh, is it ironic that the Steelers turned around and did the same thing to the Panthers? You would think, oh, we just did this to this team last week. We should know how to stop it if someone tries to do it to us. But they did not. Mike Tomlin schemed up the scheme that Steve Wilkes should have had, right? And, and, and here's what, what kind of bothers me the most. This game could have been flipped on its head in the second half. The second half where we put up nine in the fourth quarter. You know how? Literally doing exactly what the Steelers were doing, right? Exactly. The only thing that the Steelers did that we could not have done and honestly, maybe even with the right adjustments, we could have. The Steelers brought in an extra defensive tackle in this game who goes about 325 just to eat up blocks in the middle, right? Let the other guys around him feed by eating up those blocks in the middle. One of those stats that doesn't make it into the newspaper, but is hugely impactful in the game. What we could have slash should have done would be the exact same thing the Steelers did. Stack the box. Tell your ends, tell Burns and whoever else, go eat, right? Ask Brown to eat up blocks in the middle to let the linebackers scrape off the top either direction and stop the run. When the Steelers started doing to us what we should have done to them, instead of leaning further into what we are supposed to do, instead of further leaning into our identity, we decided to not do that anymore. We dropped off the line. We started trying to play faster than you football and the Steelers just kept punching us in the teeth and we had no response for it. The problem is what went wrong could have easily been fixed in the second half. The Views from Midstreet podcast rolls on. Rob Brown, the great one, Lonzo Reitzel with you. Hey, do us a favor. Make sure if you haven't already to click that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on Apple iTunes, or for free on the Odyssey app. And once you do and you have become a member of the Views from Mint Street Nation, do us a favor, share it around in your social circle so we can continue, ladies and gentlemen, to grow the show. Take a look at some more facts, figures, news, stats, information out of this one. Through the air, DJ Moore kind of showed back up in the stat sheet. Five snags, 73 yards, and a touch. And by the way, we talked about how great that throw was from Sam, and it was. That catch from DJ was pretty impressive, too, because he had no room to operate to make sure both feet were in to get that thing from having a player wrapped around his back. That's the DJ Moore we're looking for. He also had that big catch in the first half that got us down into the red zone. Here was the problem. Speaking of the red zone, though, uh, second half, two trips into the red zone, came away with six points. You put a touchdown up on either one of those drives, you're looking at a different ballgame, especially late. Uh, those types of drives that get us down close, we've got to find a way to finish. And even if they are putting seven, eight in the box, if you can't cap off those red zone drives, you're in trouble. That's just football at its at its core. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, three snags for 57 yards. TMJ, three for 51, including a 40-yarder. Shy had one for 24. Tremble, two for 20 in that one as well. Here's another interesting t- statistic. Sam Darnold has had two starts this season where he has not thrown an interception. He is 2-0 in those games. He has now won, dating back to 2020, 
He has won seven straight starts in which he has not thrown an interception. There are only two other active streaks in the National Football League. Sorry, three other active streaks in the National Football League longer than his. Jimmy G and Jalen Hurts uh, have 16 and 13. Joey B has seven alongside Burrow in games one without throwing an interception. I mean, like at least we're not the Patriots in the way that they lost uh, Sam Darnold now in this one, though, is uh, is showing that all you can ask is for him to be a game manager, not to put the pressure on him because that streak is now broken. It is not active anymore, and it's not active because we asked him to do too much. So you mentioned how the Patriots lost. Wouldn't you rather lose that way? On a, on a boneheaded play instead of getting just outplayed the entire game. And even though the Panthers were outplayed the entire game, you mentioned uh, getting in the red zone a couple of times and coming away with just field goals. You're right. The complexion would have been changed. Still, in the end, as bad as Carolina played, they lost by eight points. They lost by eight points. A couple of tweaks here or there, also known as adjustments, it's a different, it's a different ball game. Um, I just it, it's frustrating. It, it really is how close they can be in, in in one game and how far away they can be in another, and how you just you watch a game like this and you just get frustrated. Like, why aren't you running the ball? I mean, just just run. I get they stopped it, but keep running the ball. Even le- last week when we were playing Seattle, the initial runs were stopped a lot. But the running backs kept running, kept churning, and were able to to grind out a few more yards each time, and it started mounting up. That's how you do that. It's it's you batter against that wall till that wall breaks. I mean, what's the result if you continue doing that and you still lose? At least you tried it. Uh, a couple more notes from the end of that game. In the five wins so far this season, the Panthers have averaged. Over 190 yards on the ground. 191.6 yards rushing in their five wins. According to Sports Illustrated, 21 yards on 16 carries. The fifth lowest rushing yard total in franchise history in this game. I know the box is overloaded. I know the Steelers threw everybody at you. I understand that. You still have to find a way. It is not an option if you want to win. We cannot win through the air, right? I understand that they were loading the box and throwing extra men. You have to scheme around that. And even if you don't, even if you are going to throw it 23 times, the answer is not to drop Sam Darnold back in the pocket. The answer is play action. It's rollouts. It's the same thing we did with Baker Mayfield that Sean McVay saw and took advantage of in that Rams game that he won a couple weeks back. You do not take a guy like Darnold. You do not take a guy like Baker. Yes, this is the Sam Darnold that led the National Football League in rushing touchdowns through week five last year as a quarterback. You do not drop them back as if they are Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. You get the offense moving. You roll it left and right. You extend it left and right. You put out schemes where you have backside guards pulling around on a pass block. You come up with something to get them away from the heart of the pass rush. We didn't do that. Uh, And it was very, very clear. 
Uh, the Panthers, as we mentioned, still control their playoff destiny. We will get into that a little bit more in Wednesday's edition of the pod. Suffice to say, uh, the NF- NFC South, though, at this point is pretty much all but guaranteed to come down to week 18 at this point. The only way it wouldn't be is if the Bucks win the next two weeks uh, because they would knock the Panthers out. And I believe if they went out, uh, then it would settle it in week 17, not 18. But I watched Tampa yesterday. I don't see them winning out at this point because they've got one more tough game out of conference or out of division still left ahead of them. Uh, The division is going to be the first, I think, the first to produce two playoff teams with losing records. You had obviously 2014 with the Panthers, uh, and now the winner this year is more than likely going to uh, going to be a uh, an effort. Tampa Bay at this point uh, could get in with a winning record. Carolina cannot by way of having the nine losses. Tampa wins out. They go in with a winning record. If they lose one more, the NFC South winner will be representing with a larger number on the back half of the record than the front half of the record. Uh, Look, I will say this about the game. I think there were some spots where you could see that the potential is still there. We, we didn't get blown out by 30, right? We weren't down 33 nothing at halftime, although Minnesota did win that game. The point is, we didn't get blown out. I mean, the game was... Ne- there was never a point where it genuinely felt like, okay, this game is officially out of reach, right? Ended up being a two-score game because of the Pittsburgh field, uh, Pittsburgh field goal in the fourth quarter, but there were about 20 spots within that game, any, any, here and there, that you went... We come through in that spot, it's a different game. It's a three-point game down to the wire. Uh, and that's against a Steelers team that is now 6-8. and eight, That has played in the AFC North, which is not a great division uh, with Lamar Jackson out, etc. Not a great division. Cincinnati came on a little bit late. But a 6-8 and eight team, though, that we very much could have beat. Should have? No, because I think we got away from our game plan. But... Could have beat is absolutely standing right there. If you play that game, yeah, we're going to lose a couple more and we're going to be real disappointed at the end of the year. But if this coaching staff learned its lesson about getting too far away from its identity, we got a shot. See, that's the frustrating part. Is it like you said? It was not a blow. I, I I can I don't like a blowout, but I can handle a blowout. When it's a blowout, I get it. There are those rare exceptions, like yesterday, where a team could come back from way down. Panthers are not made that way. If 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 they were down by like twenty, I think the loss is more acceptable. It still is horrible, but at least you're like okay, they they got down. They're a running team. It's hard to come back when you're a running team. But they were right there the entire time. A couple things done better, and they could very well have won that game. But that's pretty much the 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 picture of the entire season for the Carolina Panthers, which makes this, as a Panthers fan, one of the more frustrating that I can remember. It, it most certainly was. It really was. It was because, as we've mentioned, got away from identity, got away from game plan. I thought that Steve Wilkes would have learned his lesson at this point. He did not. Again, I've got some level of... 
understanding, forgiveness, compassion. I don't know what, what word you want to use there uh, for a dude that is coaching a staff that ain't his on a team that is not committed to making him the head coach. I know there's a lot more to it. Uh, he gets some level of a pass from me. I'm going to tell you this right now. If this team comes out, because again, as I mentioned, you will be seeing that game play and that scheme, that look again. If this team comes out against Detroit, we got a Christmas Eve game at 1 o'clock. If this team comes out against Detroit on Christmas Eve, I'm going to tell you, Detroit watched. Dan Campbell has noticed this. He understands. He saw what happened and why it happened and how it happened. You're going to get the same look from the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff has been on a tear the last couple of weeks. If we see this same style play from the Detroit Lions and we revert back to what we did against the Steelers, we will lose that game. We will effectively pave the way for Tampa Bay to take the division and all the wins will be good for nothing but hurting our draft positioning. Yeah, and and so it's going to be an entire season of almost, 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 and then in the end, Tampa Bay still wins. Oh, what a horrible feeling that would be. I mean, that, ladies and gentlemen, is just Tom Brady doing Tom Brady stuff. We'll find out. We're going to keep an eye on it. Uh, Next pod, we'll drop for you on Wednesday. In that pod, we will talk about the divisional races. In that pod, we will talk about where we are looking at the draft board right now. In that pod, we will have a ton of midweek stuff to get into, ladies and gentlemen. We look forward to it. Alonzo, before we get out of here, any final words for the people? Yeah, I got nothing. Lonzo's down, ladies and gentlemen. Do us a favor. Send him a tweet, will you? At Lonzo on Word. Make him feel better. Help him help him get himself back into that positive headspace as we head into the holiday season. My name is Rob Brown, and I have some final words for you. See you back here on Wednesday. And keep pounding, baby! <laughs>